Hey, what's up? This is Chanel Kazadi, and you are now listening to the Cabbage Hip Hop Podcast. Check us out. Hi, Gary. Hello. How are you? How are you? Are you okay? Uh, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I uh, yeah, you're good. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm I'm uh, looking forward to uh, to doing another episode. Of, yeah, yeah, of this okay. show. Okay. Yeah, I have a couple of questions. Okay. Sure. Who is the cat in the hat? Who is it? Mike Myers. No, but within the realm of the film, who is the cat in the hat? I guess more correctly is the cat in the hat real are we to believe that there is a reality where this all happened and I it's not imagined or that it's not a part of another realm i don't think we need to really go on to all that i mean i think the book pretty much made it clear that you're you're dealing with sort of a fantasy story no but like I, this is not the book but i mean the, the book i think sort book. of lays the groundwork there i don't think we have to really delve too much into the uh into the is this is this real or not it's it's a it's a fiction for children it's fine is that because you can't answer the question i mean i i'd rather not answer the question maybe that's the case i think it's sort of i think it's i think it's a pretty silly way of 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 trying to look at this film especially from the start like because you don't know because we watch so many things like oh like is far out man real is the ginger dead man real like, I mean, like, this is, that's, yeah, a, that those were like real a, because other thing, other people corroborated that it existed. I feel like it's a silly thing, you know, and like, you know, uh, Alec Baldwin saw it, it's covered in purple goo. Like it's, it's real. I mean, I, I don't want to spend too much time thinking about that sort of thing. It doesn't really help us talk about this movie. I don't think. So let, let's not do that. You know what? Okay. So no, no imagined world. So we're just going to ignore the fact that there's an imagined world inside of a box it's a children's movie Jeff. takes just, over an entire reality it's, it's a kid's movie just let it be uh-huh. a kid's movie uh-huh. is got, it a kid's movie it, we'll be right back I'm so excited to introduce our guest for today's show. Joining us now is Chanel Kazadi, an Ohio native. She's a former boxer turned rapper. You can listen to her album, Make It Work, and her latest single, Pootie Tang, wherever music is streamed or sold. Also joining us is Nadine Smith. You may have read this journalist's work in publications such as Pitchfork and Them, as well as her wrestling-centric newsletter, House of a Thousand Marks. Hello, and welcome to you both. Hello. Thanks for having us. This is my pick this week. I uh, we had watched a lot of very uh, grown-up movies in the preceding mm-hmm. episodes. We watched uh, Sharon Stone and Sliver, mm-hmm. and we watched Beyonce in Obsessed, a movie that up until a few weeks ago I had no idea existed. So For we real? watched. Yeah, I was completely unaware because you know. Don't say, man. I hope the beehive don't swarm on us for this. No, they look, we we did the whole episode. They left us alone we, after the episode. I think we're gonna be okay. Yeah, we'll be okay. Okay, good. Yeah, you guys, you guys be fine. Don't worry. We're not, they're not gonna come after you for this. There, there may be a, a cabal of cat in a hat stands out there. Uh, oh. 
So just be prepared. We may Mike get Myers some... hive, you know. Yeah, Mike Myers. <laughs> the Pentaverit's coming after us. You know, that is that is an interesting though connection though, since Beyonce was in um one of the Austin Powers movies. You know, you've got a little bit of continuity here. Exactly. It was it look, everybody who's listening right now, when this is done, your your podcast player will automatically play the obsessed episode. So just stick around afterwards. You'll get that too. Don't even worry about it. So I want to ask our guest just what is your experience or relationship with the either the movies of Mike Myers or the books of Dr. Seuss? I don't know which one of us should start, but yeah, I'll go. Um, no, I meant for our, I meant for I meant for our guest, Jeff. I wasn't really going for you. My mom was a kindergarten <laughs> teacher, Gary, mm-hmm. and uh, we owned all the Seuss books, and I've seen all pretty much everything Mike Myers has ever been in. You know, until you like mentioned like reading Dr. Seuss in school and stuff, I kind of forgot until right now that actually I think the first book that I like ever fully read on my own, like learning to read was Dr. Seuss. I think it was like one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. For sure. Um, You are not alone. That was the one. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's like I... I feel like everybody has like some kind of relationship to Dr. Seuss, just like it's just so prevalent um, when you're growing up. Uh, As far as Mike Myers, I mean, I feel like I've seen most of his movies. I love Austin Powers. Uh, I don't love The Love Guru. I mean, I think most people don't love that movie. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, he's definitely somebody where I'm like, okay, you know, like I'm into him. He's he's given some performances I enjoy, but he's also done some weird fucking shit that does not make any sense. Gary, what was that terrible movie we watched with Mike Myers in it? But it was a drama. Uh, Pete's Meteor. Pete's Meteor. 1998's oh, Pete's Meteor. Never Ooh, heard of that. He knew Ace <laughs> Oh boy, never. I wouldn't even put it up. We we refused to do it for the cast. No, we we did <laughs> it. Was it that the, boring and hard to talk about? <laughs> we watched it in the off season. It's just like imagine yeah. an Irish drama about poverty, except Mike Myers is in it and tells no jokes. No jokes. He's Poor just Jerry. a sad dude. That's it. <laughs> that just sounds offensive, like to the Irish. Very. I think it was an excuse to do an Irish accent, but. It was a, a a painful experience to watch. We did an entire episode that I that we did on Twitch, and it was just us being like, "Why did we do this to ourselves? Why did?" Yeah, we, we just kind of cut the Twitch off. Like, there's nothing left to say about this piece of shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. We st- I think we still managed about an hour of talking about that. <laughs> How that said, this movie is the complete opposite of complete opposite. Uh, it is maybe the most psychedelic film I have seen this side of fear and loathing in Las Vegas, truly colorful, the opposite of Ireland, to be sure. (laughs) The opposite of Ireland. (laughs) Jeff, remind me of your last name again real quick. Lachlan. Okay. Colorful. Yes. When the cat in the hat appears, from that moment on, it's it's just Zane. Nothing but Let Zane me just has. tell you something about that. Yeah. I feel like, why are you appearing when the parent ain't around? That was a red flag for me. So mm. weird. Yeah. Mm. You grown. And then you sitting up here still in the mama's picture, and you're going to put it in your fur. Now, that was another red flag. What you doing with the picture? 
<laughs> I feel like they kind of like make a joke at one point, basically sort of like insinuating that he's just like off the deep end because he got spayed. And so he's just like really horny. Like that was just kind of the vibe that I was getting. Like, I was just like this man like has something pent up inside of him. <laughs> he's trying to get out. <laughs> I have been working, trying my way towards a theory about that. Because during the Chiquita banana routine, he Mm -hmm. sings about being neutered. And I'm like, so maybe that explains his kind of unfulfilled horniness that just never, ever gets resolved. But then it's like, why was it a big deal later when the kid uh, at the pinata with the big baseball bat, the the, the slugger, hit him on his non-nuts? And (laughs) it's like, if there's nothing there, if you've been neutered, then it should be painful, but it shouldn't be need to send you to your happy place as it sends you. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, first of all, that was easily and by far the biggest laugh I had with the film. Which part is when he goes to Lionel Richie land. And it's just all of a sudden on a like a beautiful swimming in a garden, listening easy. to Lionel Richie. Just easy like Sunday morning. Easy like Sunday morning. I wrote that both times in both sets of notes. It just says easy like Sunday morning in all caps. <laughs> it's a perfect part of this film. I do want to go back to this, that that horniness, because it is the like the reaction to Kelly Preston's photo as mom. And it turns into a centerfold. And if you'll notice, the hat gets longer. Oh my God. There's a lot of horniness of on the part the of the cat, but the hat gets longer. And it's like, then of course, when the kids reveal that it's their mom, he does an awkward and then moves on to the next zany moment. But there's a lot of these in here. There's the point where they're searching for the dog outside and he comes across a garden hoe and says, dirty hoe to the garden hoe. And then becomes a pimp for a second. There. For a brief second. Um, there's the scene where he's, uh, weirdly turned on by Paris Hilton for some reason Classic uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, at the rave, uh-huh. which did, did help me understand. Did I dream the rave scene? Did that actually happen in this movie? No, it, it happened. I, I, I feel like every time it ha- I watched it, but both times I watched it, that I couldn't believe it was actually happening. Obviously it's a nod to sort of a cat in the hat hat as a rave accessory, but I still can't believe that that scene actually happened. And of all the cameos, it was going to be Paris Hilton. There's just a lot of things in this movie where I'm just like, who the fuck is this for? Like, you know, I feel mm. like there's so many kids movies where they try to have the like kind of adult jokes or like pop culture references. So like the parents maybe like enjoy it. But this just feels like so above and beyond, you know, like something like Shrek, which has some adult humor in it but this just like the whole thing is like so both the 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 grossness the horniness but also there's just like a lot of like kind of mundane like adult jokes about like work and just like being a grown-up where i'm just like i don't feel like kids are gonna like get into this at all I think there's a line between sort of like the adult jokes that get thrown into kids' movies and nods to pop cultural things that maybe make more sense to the parents than to the kids. But there's a yeah. there's a whole other level of that that happens in this movie that is just astounding to me. It is astounding to see some of it. Like even in the 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 outfits that the characters wear, like Kelly Preston, there's the outfit that she wears to her job. There's like, and the, the way they shoot the angles in the camera, like they really focus heavily on her breasts they focus heavily on cleavage shots 
There's a lot of cleave. And it's just a reminder, like, wait, what what am I watching again? What who is this? Who, who is this movie for? This is this is the cat in the hat, the book that you read when you were four years old, right? Yes. No. This is a this is a grown-ups inversed version. I think the word bastardization can be used here. No, I don't think it's a bastardization. I think it is. You don't think so? I think it is a uh, a wild reimagining, is how I would put it. Huh. Uh, on the if I was just going to do the poster for it, what they're doing is what they're doing with a lot of movies. They're just you know opening up sex to kids more, and hmm. you know, but they're trying to like code it in a kid way, but it's not like. But people like us, we know, like, all right, that's a little too much to like have him like fantasizing about their mom right in front of them. Like, dang, like it's no longer discreet. Yeah, with a boner, with a cat boner. <laughs> yeah, the rarest of all boners yeah and then like at the end you know he like does the little test of like oh the like good kid meter or whatever and it's like congratulations like you learned your lesson like you learned to be better siblings or whatever you learn to be nicer to each other but it's like there's been nothing in the whole movie up to that exactly. point where i feel like we're kind of like supposed to think that the cat in the hat is like educating them or like no. teaching <laughs> them a lesson you had them sign a contract without their mom around. Yeah. A contract you know darn well they did not know Another how to Another red flag. That can't be Conrad's legally binding. Badass. Conrad's badass going to sit up here. You all, you enabled his behavior. What did he learn? Oh, when shit hit the fan? Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, when uh, shit hit the fan, then let's care about some shit. Because, oh, and at this point, you can't get away with this mess. You're about to get sent to military school. That's when he cared when that bum was going to move in. He got scared. So dang, he might have a chance. This seems like a good opportunity to point out my theory of why this movie is so bad at teaching Mm. its characters lessons. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with who wrote this movie. The screenwriting team behind this film, uh, Alec Berg, David Mandel, and Jeff Schaefer, were all previously writers on the show Seinfeld, a show that notoriously showed its characters refusing to learn lessons and constantly paying the price for it again and again and again, episode by episode. All three of those writers later went on to do Curb Your Enthusiasm, which brought it to new nihilistic levels of never going to learn a lesson. So I think they just didn't know how to write that trope very well. Yeah, I mean, that I kind of forgot about that detail. I remember reading about that like the first time I saw it, mm. that it was written by the Seinfeld team. And I had forgotten about that completely until you just mentioned it. But it does like, it seems like such a situation where they're like, oh, like here are these successful comedy writers. Like, you know, we've got this big project. Like, let's put these big names, successful people on it. But they're just like not the right fit at all also Seinfeld is just like a super adult show not to not in the like sex all the time thing even though there's you know there's a lot of mention and talk about sex a lot of dating a lot of sex stuff in there yeah super duper adult like things that adults would have to worry about what like why did they why were they chosen to write a movie for nine-year-olds and also helps to explain like why they they brought the workplace setting in as part of giving this movie some stakes of it's not just bad enough that they would wreck the house and make their mother mad, which is actually what the book is. The original book is wrecking the house. You make your mother mad. Um, 
it's that it ha- it has to her job is on the line if they wreck the house. Like it, there is somehow a workplace component that is there, which is dealt with in the first what 10 minutes and then scarcely addressed for the remainder of the film, save for a shoehorned in cocktail reception at the house at the very end. Here, okay, a lot hinges on this idea that they can't sit still for you know four hours or however long this is supposed to be because it's daylight the whole time and it seems like it happens in real time so it's really just like an hour or so yeah but anyway i I was really confused about like the timing like how long it took place over like i assumed it was like summer they're home from school or something like and I assume that as it well. seems like the morning, like, I don't know, at the, like, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, yeah, it's yeah. very weird. Like, yeah. Does Taiwanese parliament should... meet in the summer? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, everything that's riding on this thing. If, if the house gets destroyed, we're somehow led to believe that this kid's going to have to go to military school and she'll lose her job and they don't have a house anymore nor a way to buy a house because she lost a realty job. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot for, for the cat to hat cat and had to come in and teach that lesson right then. And he Is does that why yeah. it happens. It has to be a perfect confluence of Holy shit for the cat that had to, to show up. It just seemed like a really rotten time for that guy to show up. Really? This, Seriously. This, this family's in crisis. Totally. And then you have Alec Baldwin's character kind of trying oh to God. muscle his way into it. The family's in crisis. The son needs whooping. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. Everybody hates that son Dakota Fanning. He was making me mad. He's talking about, why do I do the opposite of what I'm supposed to do? I don't know, but you need a whooping for it because that's crazy. <laughs> Your mama is, a little too nice. See, that's the problem. There, there is no discipline in that house. The mother's discipline None. is not as... I mean, there's... You know, there's the absent father, the mother's not doing any discipline, and then the would-be father figure is is a real scumbag. And the kids, thankfully, can see right through him uh, at that point, or at least to some extent. I feel like Dakota Fanning gets the rude awakening uh, in there uh, when he sort of says, no one likes to suck up, the emphasis on that mm. B. I think up until that point, she thought she was still you know, pulling a thing on. But yeah, I, and I think, Nadine, I think you said it really well. Like the realization that nobody liked Dakota Fanning, nobody liked her character, that that kid at all. No Sally, way. like Sally's friends, ostensibly friends or his classmates have a birthday party without her. The worst. Like they make the film very clear from the beginning that like you're supposed to dislike the brother. You're supposed to dislike him from the start or, or to see like, oh, what a brat. But like they also realize later, like actually, like what Dakota Fanning's doing, while comparatively less annoying from like an adult standpoint, is also pretty shitty too. No one likes that either. Yeah, it's like at least Conrad's like doing these like crazy jackass stunts and stuff. Like, you know. or, or do you mean Condor? Oh my god, <laughs> that was the- of the of the bits that get re- that recur to that. That was one of the least effective jokes in the Adam in the. Uh, in the Mike Myers uh, repertoire. Yeah, it's just one of those, it's like you know that that bit is gonna happen every time. And like, it's not like any of the names are like that funny of a of a non sequitur or something. It's just kind of like, okay, like we know that this is the, the routine here. <laughs> so who are we supposed to like in this film? Shitty kids. That's a good question. Uh, 
oblivious mom, horrible boyfriend, terrible Ter boss, terrible boss, terrible boss, unlikable uh, fish, uh, entirely unlikable, unlikable, fish. like a, a straight up snitch fish. <laughs> Just like every word out of fish's mouth is is some form of a snitch. And then on top of it, a, a crazy sort of magical destruction, or like a magical tornado being that is half cat, half man destroying everything. Who are we supposed to like? I think it's Thing 2. But you tell me. Who thing 2? Thing 2. Oh, yeah. And then the two. things who do the yeah. opposite of. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because uh, they actually really saved the day in a lot of this movie. I think it's the world in the box. The world that oh. begins to leak out and form around them is actually the world that they should be living in. Jeff, did you keep your weed tonight? <laughs> yes. Okay. Just making sure. But that has nothing to do with this. You has nothing to do with the about, box? Okay. Think about the box world, the purple world, if you will. And then think about the reality of it and think about which one you would rather be in. Well, I feel like that's kind of like an interesting thing about this movie is that it, it's like trying to be a cartoon with people in it, right. uh, which is just like to begin with, like kind of uncomfortable, you know, that it's like we're watching like all of these kind of contortions and just like zany things happen, which like if you're watching a Looney Tune you know, that would be like, that's acceptable. Like that's the way the world works in a cartoon world, but this still has like real people in it. So it feels like to begin with in the same way as the, like um, the Jim Carrey Grinch movie, you know, it's just like really uncanny. The Grinch was, no, don't lie. Don't lie. The Grinch was good. No, I mean, it's way like better than this, but just like oh, Jim yeah. Carrey's yeah. face in that just like, like makes me uncomfortable. Oh no, Jim Carrey killed that. Honestly, like that was yeah. the best Grinch. It made me appreciate the Grinch more, actually, just because like the humor matched the movie. Yeah. You know, like it matched even with the kids in it. It wasn't too much of like the kids. Like it showed the story, the timeline, everything. It showed how the Grinch became the Grinch, like why he's the way he is, like a more understanding of like, okay, you might hate the Grinch because you're we were told to when we were kids but when you get older like you see why like he was bullied like it was f them kids and shoot i agree <laughs> yeah you call that you call that the wicked twist yeah yeah all of a sudden like, the to the West he had is a reason a cat good the hat. yeah yeah he had a reason cat in the hat is just weird like he yeah. appeared out of nowhere he's homeless he's out here trying to get kids <laughs> to sign contracts just he's just as worse as what that lawrence guy or whatever like, yeah. he was just as bad as him. They both was homeless. They both was using, Cat in the Hat was using the kids for a place to stay. If he wasn't, why he need lawyers? And then, uh, come on, bro. He's got skeletons in his closet, for real. Oh, oh he got some deep skeletons. Because he came out the closet. You ain't come out the hat. <laughs> you came out the closet. I want to point out something with this, too, that, that that's pretty notable about, like, how creepy this character is beyond the physical, beyond this, like this prosthetic nightmare that they've made in Mike Myers into, oh my which I mean, like, and, and this is, I mean, this is, his, we know this is Mike Myers is kink. He loves to play dress up, but like at the same time, what was truly horrifying to me was there's a, a point in the film where the cat's birth date is revealed and it's 19, I think it's 1963. Yeah. Which means, in the way this would work, that he's forty. That the cat is oh forty God. years old. Forty years old. Showing, mm -hmm. 
like it's the oldest cat ever first of all so kudos <laughs> scientifically and i assume it's because of that wacky purple world or just you know i mean look, lean is magic but that to i think be there said, might be a crossover that like weird to believe that the cat in the hat is a physical manifestation perhaps of of dr seuss yeah, no I guess that, that, that makes is. sense that's terrifying. That's a terrifying prospect. Yeah, I'm about to say that's really weird. It, yeah. that's how I they think that's what it is, body. though. But it does feel like there's a lot that's kind of like assumed, like we're supposed to uh, accept that the cat is like a force for good because like we've read the book and we know he like teaches them a lesson. You know, it feels like it really kind of like that shit at all either. Assu- <laughs> you know, it, it like wants us to be like, oh, yeah, you know, the cat in the hat's good. Like you, you read that book like you like, you know, it's it's colorful, like. But it's just, it, it, or it just like assumes that we like Mike Myers like that much, where like any bit, any character he'll do is like automatically funny. You know, it feels just like that kind of like insane point of like vanity project, like, you know, like comic actor where they're just like, I'm the funniest man in the world. Like, so I can put on any like suit or makeup or whatever, and everybody will just like eat it up. And clearly mm-hmm. <laughs> that I does mean, not work. Either. No. You know, while there's no condoning ego, you can at least understand where that comes from in this case. Like, you know, by this point, obviously mm-hmm. beyond SNL, he'd become like a international movie star, thanks to Wayne's World, three Austin Powers movies, and then in 2001, the first Shrek movie. So it was kind of like he was in this like I can't lose situation in yeah. terms of anything I make turns to gold. But like, there's and yet also- he found a way. That's what's so beautiful about the film is that they persevered to make a piece of shit. I mean, it feels like it feels like one of those movies where like I watch it and I'm like, I can tell like they were trying to really like copy the success of like five other movies. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously like the the Seuss connection to like How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which I feel like came out like what, like 2000, 2001? It's 2000. So, so they had, yeah, 2000. Yeah. So, you know, they were trying to do the like Seuss cinematic universe or whatever. And then like, you know, Mike Myers, they're like, oh, let's let's have like an adult like Shrek type humor. Um, But then it's also directed like the only movie directed by uh, the like production designer for a bunch of Tim Burton movies and Men in Black. So I feel like it's also like, even though it's not actually reaching that point, it does feel like a little bit like it's trying to do the kind of like pg-13 tim burton like edgy but still whimsical the kind town, of thing that makes a lot of sense because the town i wrote in my notes fake ass tim burton ass town <laughs> well also like, oh, everything's pink and light green and it's just ridiculous visually one of the craziest and like funniest things to me is that the cinematographer for this movie is emmanuel lubeski who did like Terrence Malick movies and like uh, Alejandro Inarritu movies and just like all of these like Oscar winning art movies. And then he did like this. <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with the director, like because Bo mm-hmm. Welch and uh, Jeff, you won't be surprised to learn uh, first time director. Uh, this is their first film. Uh, we are the kings of that on this show. We keep picking these ones. Um, but, you know, again, <laughs> have, I, you, I, have you guys done a master of disguise? Oh, we haven't. So that's another one that's like directed by the like costume designer for a bunch of the Happy Madison movies. I think it was like this one <laughs> right. shot. We we did do a Happy Madison movie this season. We did Bucky Larson, Born to Be a Star. Uh, oh so my God. so there's that. Uh, again, guys, you can hear that on all of the podcast platforms. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
I think Bo Welch's connection to so many kind of imaginative hit films like the films he did with Tim Burton, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, like, and then of course, the two Men in Black movies and Wild Wild West and like Wild Wild West again, that's another one we could talk about on as, as, a, as an episode in and of itself. But like, there's a certain, I think, fondness for what that director did. It would probably make some people inclined to work with somebody who'd been in that directorial mm-hmm. space on the production side, you know, but again, like the, the reason why Bo Welch directs this movie is, has very little to do with uh, his ability to build this magical world, but because he was originally supposed to be the director on the Sprockets movie. Uh, that is the reason why this film with, as it has ended up exists. This was originally supposed to be a Tim Allen movie. Oh yeah. my God, that's horrifying. The movie we could horrifying. have seen, the movie we could have seen was Tim Allen as the cat in the hat. Um, but eventually uh, he had to bow out because he uh, needed to do the Santa Claus 2. Um, <laughs> so Honestly, I feel but, like he made a right decision that was more appropriate for him. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. saw some things and was like, you know what? I'm going to stick with this tried and true will be shown every year ass Christmas nonsense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make me way more really money than this nonsense. <laughs> but what that means, unfortunately, is that so they have this gap and Mike Myers basically self-destructs the Sprockets movie, his SNL DJ character film. Um, due to his own dissatisfaction with the screenplay that he had been working on with others. And then he got sued by Universal and then sued by Imagine Entertainment. And then he sued them back. And then they came to an agreement ultimately, which was because the Sprockets movie was supposed to come out in a particular time. And so they had expectations for it, they had things in their budget for it. And so they were saying, well, as part of the agreement, we can you know end our feud in all this. Well, you have to agree to do a movie for us, uh, just do a different film for us. And you have to star in this thing. And it was the cat in the hat. Nothing says great performance like contractually obligated. I mean, maybe that's why they have the contract in the plot. You know, he's working something out there. He's mad. He's taking it out. I can tell you something who would have killed that cat in the hat role. Johnny Depp. He would have had us believing he was cat in the hat. (laughs) <laughs> he would have made that way more funny, way more. I'm just saying, y'all know Johnny Depp would have did it a better way. I could see that in some ways, but he's had so many horrible character-driven misses since those those days where he was certainly really well do do a great job. But I, I'm thinking very much about like what he did to Willy Wonka or what oh, he did for the Mad what he, what he did to the Mad Hatter. Like you those, don't like Willy Wonka? Oh no, I'm a I'm Gene Wilder all the way. Oh hell no! No, I, I grew up to the Johnny Depp one. That yeah. one was way better. No, I mean, look, they, the one thing I will say, but now and this is actually like you pay attention. But that this also, but this also kind of explains your your defense of the Grinch because, like that movie, they gave Willy Wonka a backstory in the Johnny Depp one with the mm. father being the dentist. Backstories. Um, I like to see why, like, they are the way they are. That's just me. Like, I don't like to just be like they're just horrible or that's you know. I'm just saying, like, I like to see more in depth. Like with the Joker, mm. I like to see more in depth to why they are the way they are because it helps me understand the character better too. Like, I don't want to just assume you're loony for no reason. 
Like, why are you loony? You know what I'm saying? Like, not everybody. So you were all the way out on Cat. No, like Cat in the Hat is weird. Like, that's weird. Like, yeah. he just appeared out of a closet. Uh-huh. Way, more, way too much interest in Conrad. Barely paid attention to the girl. And their mom wasn't around. He knew they were vulnerable. He knew their mom wasn't around. He, like, let them be chaotic until it got bad. I feel like until he until he saw their situation for real, that's when he had a change of heart and wanted to help them. It feels like they kind of want to, like, do some kind of parallel between, like, the cat and the Alec Baldwin, like, stepdad character of these, like, weird, creepy, manipulative guys who are trying to control these kids. But it doesn't make any sense because it's like the cat is, like, supposed to be not the like hero but just like we're supposed to be watching the movie because it's about the cat in the hat like you know he's like why we're here and so it's just weird that they're like trying to like feels like they're trying to like make a statement somehow or like do something like serious but it's also like not at all serious because it's just like the most ridiculous shit every two seconds yeah because the mom's not like uh, an aware mama like you know what i'm saying she's more she's protective but at the same time like completely leave your kids with with the horrible na- nanny like just to go to work and then get sexualized by a germaphobe like what like it was just too much going on to where it didn't explain the cat in the hat like what what is his purpose he didn't teach them a lesson i feel like he helped them get away with the lesson the lesson was for that little nigga to go to military school for real. That's a lesson. <laughs> That's a lesson. That's a lesson to me. I feel like you basically let them get away with it. Like you ain't teach him shit. Oh, he said he felt bad. How many privileged kids be saying that? Like, come on. The answer's a lot. <laughs> a lot. So it's like, and they don't feel bad for real. Like you just help them get away with it. What was the lesson? Please tell me. Someone who was actually a broke kid at a military school at one point. Uh, Here we go. Uh, I can give you 99% (laughs) of those kids would have absolutely learned nothing. They don't care. And taken full advantage of the situation. Exactly. They do not care. They don't care. So it's just like he didn't learn a lesson. I feel like at anything, you taught him how to be a narcissist. (laughs) Like You taught him clear as day how to be a narcissist. Really but maybe, come up in this world. maybe that's the cat in the hat's purpose. We don't really know what the purpose is. At the very end, the cat in the hat is like, oh, by the way, all of this was supposed to be a lesson. But this is supposed to be a kid's movie. So you're, we're teaching kids how to be narcissists? That someone's supposed right. to just come? An adult's supposed to come? A 40-year-old cat is supposed to come and help you clean up your mess? I mean, when you put it that right. way, it makes the movie sound bad. <laughs> like that's not gonna happen you're basically saying let any weirdo in a fucking costume who's 40 years old come to your house and he's gonna fix your problem it's the future liberals want it doesn't even say in the contract that like he's he has to teach them you know it's like he's at the end he's like oh it says the contract is void like if you yes he remixed his own rules yeah and he's just like oh then if it's void at certain points it can also be unvoided later that's a red flag yeah he's just like like, oh like void and then not void anymore if something continues not supposed to sign what was that mark where they weren't supposed to sign it's like oh, not yeah. here. Like <laughs> sign here, sign here, sign here, not here. here. Right. 
I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and you got lawyers roll up on them. They're kids. Like he had lawyers roll up. Like, ah. Uh. I believe that the cat in the hat lives in the other netherworld and comes to help make kids into narcissists, rich kids into narcissists. Yes. I think that's the whole point of the cat in the hat. And in that other fake world, they still have to have like lawyers and shit. Maybe I'm. And you know they're rich because the mom never did a background check on the boyfriend. The mom never did a background check. She went after the looks. That's how you know she's rich because she wasn't paying attention. Yeah, she's not been to his house. Never went to his house. All he saw was a place to stay, and she wasn't even peeping. about the boyfriend's habits away from Kelly Preston in this film. One, he's taping his gut to himself. Is that the way I'm digging in his freaking belly? Not a girdle. Not a girdle. It looked like he was like ripping off tape. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's happening. Which is Spanks. Then he also goes like fully into the fake world and then is mm-hmm. rejected from it during the cleanup session, covered in purple goo. It also, the like everything with the kind of the portal and the other world also felt a little bit to me. And also just like the stranger kind of showing up out of nowhere, it felt like they were also trying to rip off Jumanji a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just kind of making me think about that. But it also felt like, you know, all of the Seuss movies they've made since then have all been like fully CGI cartoons and so it feels like they're trying to like take drag them into like fully the cartoon world but you know they Mm, still come back to the human world and so it feels like this movie to me is like that's just part of why it's so weird where it's just like in between the cartoon world the human Mm. world it doesn't know if it wants to be like live action animated and it's just like uncomfortable there's a reason why all the subsequent Dr. Seuss films were our CGI animation uh, stuff. And that's because when Dr. Seuss's widow saw this movie, uh, she she hated this movie so much that Mm. she put the kibosh on a planned sequel. The cat in the Mm. hat comes back and decreed that she would never, ever allow as representative of the estate, another live action Dr. Seuss movie ever again. My question is this. Probably good. Is that fully necessary? Clearly. Did we really need... They tried to do the Lorax with Danny DeVito. Can you imagine? (laughs) They would have put Danny DeVito... They took away a Danny DeVito Lorax? We could have... No, because they did a Danny DeVito Lorax that's fully animated, CGI. But if they were still allowed to do live-action movies, you tell me they would be fucking putting Hibbinson with orange fucking piece of fluff and had Danny DeVito just hobbling around the world. Oh, oh, hell no. Trying to save the fucking environment. So this needed to stop with this movie. It had to end because that's where Angle. it was going. It was going so to you're, that. You're on, you're on the widow's side, the widow's Seuss. Oh, yeah. She, she's right. She's right. These are abominations. Well, These are abominable. Uh, you know 
One thing you that I think is like the idea that they were bastardizations. You balked at that. <laughs> Not bastardization. Now they're abominations. Bastardization is a very rude term. Yeah, I pretty, think they're abominations. Yeah. I think it's like this is what happens oh, when money and bad ideas hang out for too long. You get shit like this. You get this ridiculous, ridiculous shit that should not be. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of criticism about the Uncanny Valley, Polar Express, and kind of what that did. This is freakier than any of that shit. This is so much more disturbing because it st- you stop seeing them as, oh, someone's wearing a costume. And you're like, is this what Mike Myers actually looks like when you peel his flesh off? Oh, God. Is this the world that we I mean, actually I, live it in? It feels like much more like, you know, uh, akin to like the Cats musical movie, you know, where everybody was like really disturbed oh, by it, kind of been grotesquely fascinated and like, whoa, like the cats have buttholes and shit. Like, uh, you guys were this close to watching Cats, by the way. You were really so close, close to having to watch wow. Cats. Wow. You I have never no idea it. how close you were. I don't know if we dodged a bullet because this, this was a bullet. But. <laughs> You dodged a bullet to take a bullet. Yeah, it's just like I, but I, what? I that's kind of like the way it is. If you if you agree to be a guest on this show, you're sort of you're taking a bullet no matter what. I think I'm, one thing that I just uh, a note that I made of like just how kind of crazy it is. I feel like just pop culture in general has changed over the course of like the last twenty years now of Dr. Seuss movies. The fact mm. that <clears throat> this has like a tie-in smash mouth cover of the Beatles and then like the most recent animated Grinch movie how to like tie-in Tyler the Creator EP like it's just such a I don't know strange uh evolution of like just what a big movie is now like what kind of you know what the pop artists are going to get to like do the original song is it's uh why are there two Smash Mouth songs in this movie? Two Smash Mouth songs. Two. Why are there two of them? The Shrek effect, you know? Does Mike Myers owe them money? Who is in debt to Smash Mouth? They also had Randy Newman on the hook to do like songs for this film. And they said no. They rejected Randy Newman, who was like deep in the Disney game at that point. Yeah. Toy it Story. would be one thing if you rejected Randy Newman and said... We're going to go get somebody more famous. But they actually hired his cousin, another dude named <laughs> who had never like who had like really seriously has way less of a, of a pedigree. Mandy Newman. Bandy Newman. <laughs> Landy <laughs> Newman. Landy Moon, man. It's all it is. Uh, I, wa- I want to mention one thing that I love. Please. And that's the fake infomercial. Oh yes, that scene had me a little twisted. On like, he chops his tail off. He does. He also makes two death threats during that. Two. I'll get you, and it'll look like a bloody accident. And and both times it's him directing it at himself because there's two cats, two cat hats. Mental health is so important as a conversation, and probably this podcast is in a place for this. But I think Mike Myers was working out some shit in that too. Trying to describe never, you know? this film, uh, it's just really hard. It's a hard film to talk about. So much happens, and that really nothing happens. But I have to say, and I said this to you, Jeff, I think after we did the second watch, I said, I don't know how we're going to talk about this movie. Right. And we're doing this now. And I think that what we've learned is that, like, this is not a film to be discussed. 
It's not to be disseminated. On, on a podcast or otherwise, this is a film to be seen and experienced and then never spoken of again. Because I was quite high watching this movie both times. And I will say that it felt better not having to try to explain it or poke right. holes into it, but just to experience right. it, just letting the colors and the zaniness wash over you, trying to figure out what thing one and thing two are saying. Thing one is voiced by Dan Castellaneta, famously from The Simpsons, by the way. Just trying to figure That's how out- they use him. That's how they use Homer Simpson, one of the most iconic voices. They use him as, as a, a giggling roustabout. Trying to figure out why you know, famous, known, prolific character actress Amy Hill is treated as a canoe for some reason because she has narcolepsy <laughs> and is old, I guess, in their world. Like, trying to say, the, the more I think about that, the more it hurts me. But in those moments watching it, I was transfixed by this right. abominable beauty in the same way that I can get caught up in watching a David Lynch movie like Inland Empire right. and wondering what the fuck all these bunnies are doing. Like, I get it when I'm watching it, but when we talk about it, it stops making any sense to me. Like every good drug trip of my life, talking about what happened during my drug trip is hard. It's really hard. This is a hard movie to talk about. Yeah, like I saw it a couple years ago, just like, putting it on shits and giggles like high one night and i do not remember anything that happened in it like when i was rewatching it like i could not i did not remember that alec baldwin was in it like the paris hilton cameo just like it's just constant like bits and every just... time someone mentions paris hilton i'm like all oh, right paris hilton's <laughs> fuck <laughs> great double feature cat in the hat and uh, house of wax i feel like you know the, the paris hilton cameos what an evening yeah, the <laughs> magical evening that awaits. <laughs> Just an evening. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, there were a lot of. I feel like I just have to throw this out there. Do it. There were really, really a lot of uh, burps and farts, mm. or maybe it feels like there were. Yeah. Because the burps were magnanimous. They were huge burps. Some vomit, hairballs, the in milk the burps. burp, the lactose intolerance. Why does he play the cat? as a lactose intolerant yenta. Why is this Linda Richmond who can't have milk so good? So it switches with characters a little bit. Cause like mm. all of a sudden also he's like a mechanic and he's a Southern Ace Ventura. Don't oh. forget the, um, when he's the like green piece dreaded hippie. Right. Oh, when he's like got the dreadlocks. Yeah. When he bait yeah. and switches our boy he Alec. Signs. Oh, that's I forgot about that. I forgot <laughs> about it again. I am just you're just experiencing a this lot world. Happens. They pack so much into it for a movie where like the cat appears for less than an hour on screen, called the cat in the hat. There are things that mm. happen that I I do not remember, and I forgot about that. Every single time, that's how they're able to, to get the uh, get the, the dog in the lock back. It's fascinating to me how much the brain didn't retain on multiple viewings of this movie. Yeah, it's some real like just early two thousands like manic Cartoon Network kind of like 
oh, like all the kids have ADHD now energy. Like, I just feel like so much of culture, like, I mean, I guess it's still that way, but I just feel like there was a really distinct moment where it was just like, oh, like everything's just like really noisy and loud and like all of these references for literally no reason. Like For a while, it seemed like people thought that if you were going to make a movie that would also sort of appeal to stoners, it needed to be really zany. And that's the energy I got from this film, that it was like for little kids who have like stoner parents and they're zany (laughs) and they like, it's like a really dumb toy for a kid. I think this would, this movie would maybe make, I don't want to say make more sense, but maybe be less, less of an abomination if it wasn't the cat in the hat. If it wasn't a character that we had so many generationally had associated with our childhood like if it was like if it was the dog in the fog yeah i mean if it's yeah something like that or we just you know i i'm not gonna rhyme that's not my skill but (laughs) but it is something it is something to be said about just like our experience with the character and our feelings about the character are often just like we may not have read that book in decades or had it read to us in decades but there's some sort of fondness about the character like the whole thing about the cat showing up when mom is away is a big part of the book it's part of like the naughtiness of the situation and how it's just like but the kids are like are rarely enchanted by the cat in those books the 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 kids are immediately terrified by the damage being done and 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 wanting to do right so there's 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 that in there but i think that if we didn't have our sort of connections of nostalgic or from our childhood with this character that this movie might have been a bit more plausible in terms of our it's understanding. That's an interesting of it. question. I feel like, would you show this to children? Fuck no. 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 Would you show this to children? No. 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 Of course. No. Of course. This is part of my argument about why I think this film should shouldn't be discussed. <laughs> you just watch it, it and really then you should never it. ever talk. It, about I love it. how you're saying it. It's making me laugh. Just, but, just yeah, you should see it. You should experience it, and then never speak about it again. They never. should lock it in the box from the movie. You know, it should it's be too many red flags. Yeah, it's too many red flags. Because the more we talk about it, the more it's like these kids are in danger. <laughs> they are at risk youth already because of their environmental circumstances. They live in a town with no diversity. They live in a town with where I don't understand what the economy is for real estate in a place like that. They are fatherless. Their father figure, the stepfather, is abusive and threatening. And then a random stranger shows up to their house to spend a day having fun with them. That's fucking terrifying. That is a horror movie. That is an American horror story. And we're to believe that the cat in the head is real. Like, we believe that this all really happened. This sort of marriage between the cat and the hat universe. don't don't do this don't do this to me, like jeff. the wizard of oz don't do this to me jeff right like did it happen don't alice in wonderland wizard of oz this to me don't please my brain can only handle so much i do look i just wanted i have i have questions about this other universe and i want to ask them jeff this has to be real i need this to be real i don't know that it's real i need this to be real the only thing world. that we know is that Alec Baldwin is really covered in purple goo. I mean, maybe it's like a, it's like a fight club situation. You know, they invented the cat because they couldn't deal Mm, with the real world. That's where I'm going. 
Yeah, I feel like I've heard that theory. People like try to do that interpretation of like Ferris Bueller, uh, <laughs> you know. So I feel like I feel like it's fair game. You can apply it to any movie. Any movie mm-hmm. could be. Like, he was love. just laying in bed all day playing on his computer, and that everything uh, was made up. That Cameron, you know, just he needed a strong role model, mm-hmm. confident uh, uh, avatar to project himself on. You know. Oh, it's Cameron. Oh. Yeah. I've never heard this. This is a great theory. I uh, yeah, I feel like it, it makes it makes sense. I don't know. I, I, I bet you could do that thing like where when you go back and like watch Fight Club and like you see that like oh like Tyler's like not in a like shot with anybody else or like all of these kind of like clues or whatever. Like I bet right. there's probably like you could do a really anal reading of Ferris Bueller where like seeing like is anybody actually like in the shot with Ferris ever. The worst thing is is how this has gotten me thinking. Now. I, I mentioned David Lynch before in Inland Empire, but now I'm thinking about movies like Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive when there are these like different realities that are presented mm-hmm. and we don't know what's real, what's not real, or there is a real reality that people get snapped back to at some point. And I'm just realizing like maybe my appreciation for this film in all of its horror is that it does that. It does sort of bring you into a world that may or may not be real. And I just wanted it to be real so badly in the same way that like the protagonists of David Lynch movies want the world that they're in and most comfortable with to be real, especially if their actual world is like in the movie, like especially like in Mulholland Drive is horrifying. It doesn't make any sense just the more and more you think about it, because there's so many references to like real things in this clearly like ridiculous fantasy world. It doesn't. It's like what is real who is the president in this world like what are the movies that people are watching in this world like i don't know i want to know the, i want to know the answers endless questions well unfortunately uh dr seuss's widow put the kibosh on the sequel so we will never know what we can do you think the sequel would have answered any of those questions <laughs> i, I think, think they would have i don't know uh, again yeah, i'd have to see how high if tim allen did the movie all things considered tim allen does the movie it gets made on time I what mean, maybe it would the, do the up of Rotten Tomatoes gave this what a nine, nine percent, nine percent. What do you think the percentage would have been with Tim Allen up or down? Wow. I mean, it really just de- depends on, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I don't know if they would have been as critical of Tim Allen as they were Mike Myers. Mike Myers needed to be taken down. Hmm. Tim Allen at that point was the TV guy who had like a couple of Disney films jungle of the jungle which well you know that tim allen is like one of the only people maybe the only person to have had number one movie number one tv show and number one book at the same time yeah the first santa claus home improvement and like whatever his like memoir was at that time Um, was it called that was that the name of the book (laughs) the book was called Years ago, uh, like one time when I was like really stoned and bored and fucking around, I took uh, Big Sean's I Don't Fuck With You and replaced every you with the Tim Allen grunt. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to find that file. Yeah, we need that. That's our new outro music. (laughs) So we've come to the point of the episode where there is a central question that is guiding this uh, this series, uh, this season. And it's that uh, we're picking these bad movies. They are quantifiably bad. Critics hate them. 
they typically have pretty low audience scores too on Rotten Tomatoes. But that being said, and I'm going to pose this to, to our guests first, it's a bad movie. We know it's a bad movie. But is The Cat in the Hat a good bad movie? No. I don't think it's a good bad. I think it's bad. It is what it is. Yeah, like... Wouldn't recommend it. Why would I say it's good? Fair. Yeah, it's like mostly, I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those movies where I'm kind of like, in my mind, it could be really fun and like wacky in that kind of just like campy kitschy way but it's just doing way too much it's just mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable i you know i feel like i could not in good conscience like recommend this to me like i feel like they would like ju- you know even if i was being like hey this movie like can you believe this exists like i feel like i would be judged you know <laughs> fair gary uh, i have been wrestling with this for the entire episode because again (laughs) having watched it as high as i watched it i've sort of have experienced it on a level where i didn't really have to think so much about it sometimes when we watch these things i I, i'll well we watch them remotely and we we text each other when we're watching them so (laughs) well so we do a lot of that and like i often it often is an opportunity to point out plot holes and a lot of this was just like my texts to jeff were less about like why is this happening or how does this make sense? But it just, it was just like this thing happened in the film just now. This just happened mm-hmm. in the film just now. Yeah. It was like a, a catalog of it for. Uh, that, yeah. So there's something about that, that, that intrigues me as much as it disturbs me. I watched this thing twice. I retained portions of it and being high, I think enhanced the experience in ways that if I had watched it at any point sober, I would have turned it off just out of frustration or passed out. But, <laughs> but this, this is to me, this is a bad, bad movie because as you pull the threads, it falls apart and you realize that you're, you're watching a film that is for kids, but not for kids, which is often an indicator of a potentially good, bad movie. Um, you know, Old Dogs is a great example of a good, bad movie in terms of mm-hmm. something that Jeff and I both agree on. Speaking of Kelly Preston, but mm-hmm. I think with this is this is just fundamentally bad, and I don't think we should have watched it. <laughs> what it like reminds me of, honestly, like more than actual kids' movies, is like those freaky fucking uh like algorithm bot YouTube videos for kids that have like Spider Man and Elsa. And like all these random characters like put together with kind of random plots. So and this a lot is of a times, pre-algorithmic algorithm movie. Yeah, because it just feels like all this random shit just put together for no reason. Like he's riffing on all these like characters and stereotypes and stuff. And it's like for no reason at all. It's just they're like, what are like things that people recognize or might laugh at? Like, let's just like put it all together but it's also like really unsettling in the same way that all of those like youtube videos you know they're just like supposed like stuff that kids are supposed to like put on and just kind of mindlessly consume but they all are like end up being really kind of creepy or like violent and it's just yeah there's like a kind of evil power to this movie a little bit it's just like i don't want to know like the brains that really put this together like they were they were kind of 
tapping into something weird here. One of the screenwriters did go on to uh, co-create the the TV series Barry, if that is any indication, uh, mm. any any bearing on this. Jeff, is this a good bad movie? I truly believe the introduction of a different universe within the Cat in the Hat universe is something that if it were more uh, more calculated and used well, this movie could have actually been an incredible poorly written movie. Like the writing is, it's really bad. But I, I really am interested in what this movie presupposes. You know what I mean? Mm. I really am. But no, it's a piece of shit. It's fucking terrible. Zero out of four people. <laughs> it's a bad movie. It's a bad, it's a bad movie. Bad, bad movie. Bad, it's a bad, bad, movie. bad, bad movie. I think this episode needs to go in the box. <laughs> it's going in the box. You got to get the little scorpion lock, or is it a crab? It's going in the box. The easiest lock to pick of all time. <laughs> Everybody, I want to thank you so much for doing this with us. This thank was uh, this was a painful film. And I, I, I feel your pain. I really appreciate y'all. <laughs> thank, thank you both for doing this. This was a, this was a, a challenge uh, for, for, for me, for sure. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm glad to have kind of had this conversation sort of exercise some of my feelings about this yeah. out. But wow, this, this, what the fuck? <laughs> we didn't even talk about how he wanted to kill the dog. No, the, the, oh, yeah. yeah, cat hates dog, wants dog to die. No, there's so many horrible enemies, but we have to so stop. We can't do this. We can't do this anymore, man. We can't do this. No. The movie game has been ruined ever since the good ones got older. All these, all these yeah. young people just accepting. They just accepting anybody out here, and these days, ain't nobody got no true passion. Mm. Nobody got true passion. No one can recreate the Titanic. You know why? Because they suck. And that's just what it is. <laughs> they suck. I love it. It's real. It's so true. So I guess it's, uh, time on the show where jeff uh gloats over me so that gary gary i just i wanted to see if you had also reached a breaking point this movie is a breaking point for me yeah it um it, it really it really got me <laughs> i don't what what is real and what is not in these terrible films? We are, I'm losing sight of what a good movie is now. Like I watched a movie recently, I won't go into what it is, but I like couldn't understand whether it was good or bad, but not because it's not good or bad, but because it was stacking up against The Cat in the Hat. And The Cat in the Hat is an unreal film. Unreal is the right word, yeah. Yeah, unreal. It's unreal. What we saw, what we did to those people. I feel like we, we we really did a disservice to our guests. And if it were really up to me, we wouldn't air this episode at all. But but I think maybe it, as a cautionary tale um, for for this, and I think it's a moment for us to, I guess, reflect, you know, what are we trying to accomplish with this podcast? Like what, 
Right. What are we doing? Like we, we set up this season as a battle to see who could pick the, the best bad movies, meaning like a good bad movie. And I think like right. my definition of a good bad movie has, I don't want to say it's shifted. It's, it's melted. It's eroded. It's unrecognizable to me at this stage. We've watched so many truly bad movies. Tasteless nonsense. Nonsense films, poorly constructed garbage to the point where we get to this like abominable, and I'm going back to that word. This is an abomination. Yeah, this yeah. abominable really bad film. movie where you just say to yourself, like, why, why am I doing this? Why, why are we doing this, Jeff? Well, I think the beginning of this was you saying specifically, I can pick better bad movies than you. Yeah, 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 okay. Which, if you'd like to debate, I have one specific stat that would probably air in my favor. But I'm I'm not actually going to give myself this is, where, this, is, this is where you glow. Any this is where credit. You glow. Any credit. We, we're hurting people's feelings. But I signed up for this. I have more bad movies in store. And like last time when I was at a low point mm-hmm. and you came in and gave me choices and I chose this by proxy, I guess. I didn't know what it was, but I chose it. We could have watched Cats. We could have watched two other films. We could have watched Catwoman. But we ended up with this. So in the spirit of that, you too get three choices. However, oh, instead it, of giving you hints, you get to ask me for hints. I don't know, man. I mean, I just, I don't even, I don't even get what the point is. Like I've lost. That is clear. Like I, the it doesn't look points like wise. It. It's like, the, I don't even think there's a way for me to come back. Like that's it. So it's just like, am I, we're just going to, I think it's possible you can tie. You know, I don't know. I'd have to go back and, and see how many episodes we had, et cetera, et cetera. Who cares? Like, it's a stage. It's just like we, <laughs> we've we reached the point where it's like the competition aspect of this no longer matters. You know, this is the oh, Mets. This is the Mets in July every fucking year. Let's go Mets. This is the Mets in but July. It's, but it's June. It's June. As we're recording this, it's June. Yeah, but this is the feeling of Mets in July. It's the feeling of the Mets it's, in That's August. only because you're experiencing that. Now, you have a chance here. There's no chance. To climb back in this thing by making me look stupid on my pick. And it can happen. There's some stupid movies out there that I have listed here. Mm. Okay. You have three choices. What, three. what would you like your hint to be? What would you like my hint to be? Um, you can have more than one hint, even. Okay. Are these movies comedies? One of them is a comedy. Okay. One of them is a sports drama. Okay. The other is a sci-fi drama. Okay. When I chose the options for you last time, part of me really wanted you to pick the cat in the hat. Right. Which in retrospect hurts me to think that I did this to myself. But I, I wanted it because I we'd watched two very uh, self-serious films, films uh-huh. that wanted to be taken seriously in some respect. Very seriously, yes. Even though there was plenty of unintentional humor in, in both, in Sliver right. as well as in Obsessed. I wanted to get a handle on 
some funny. Yeah. And I funny feels very risky. So you've got two dramas there. Sports drama. Mm. Sci-fi drama. Superhero comedy. Okay. Yeah, superhero comedy sounds horrible to me right now. I want to get back into <laughs> Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really want, okay. So I'm gonna, well, I'm, superhero I'm, comedy is out. I, will I put think that's that out. Back on the just, list. just put that away. I, I, I don't. Okay. I mean, you can, you have, you have, you have at least like one or two more picks. So you're down to two. You have some more of the season. So like, there's. That. So we're looking back at, to it. We got sports drama. Yeah. Or or sci-fi drama. Do you want another hint? Yeah, I want another hint. I do. Okay. Um, what would you like the hint to be? Um, are either of these movies? during periods where the lead actors uh, are at the peak of their powers? Well, one of them has a cast that never really had much of a peak. Mm -hmm. To explain it better, the film I'm talking about now with like, doesn't have a lot of like star power. It okay. also doesn't have a Rotten Tomatoes score. Okay. The sports that drama. That's terrifying, actually. The other one, it depends on which peak you're talking about, but I believe that this sci-fi drama has an actor that is at a certain peak, yes. Okay. I think I need like one more hint and then I can pick. Okay. Are the leads in these movies over the age of 50? Night, uh, one is oh man, how to describe the sports drama has a young and old feel. There's a, a young sportsman and an old sportsman, neither is above 50. The other is there's no 50s. We're talking like you know, late parental stage, so like 30s, okay, okay, late 30s, all right. You know, as I think about this and I sort of come to the understanding that like, I'm thinking about the, the broader genres, you've got sports mm -hmm. and sci-fi and truth be told, I, I hate sports movies. I'm, yeah, not no, a huge, one. I'm not a huge sports fan. So uh, let's go Mets, but let's go Mets. But there's not really much that I like about this day for like some boxing movies, like obviously like mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. I like mm -hmm. a few boxing movies and like that's sort of my thing. But like I've never okay. really been a fan of the like field of trees. Whereas I watch a lot of sci-fi and I have watched a lot of sci-fi. So there's a chance that this is a movie I've seen potentially or okay. it's at least in a wheelhouse something. And like when I was putting together my list of potential movies to uh to subject you to this season. I sci-fi was definitely was in there, but we haven't done a sci-fi film this season. We haven't. I mean, this movie we could say is sci-fi fantasy cat in the hat, but we haven't done a sci-fi. We movie can't this do. Season. We can't call that a sci-fi fantasy. No, I don't think we can. Fantasy. Yeah. I don't think we can. I don't think we can call that a, a movie. But I'm gonna pick the sci-fi drama. Fair. You've chosen Rose Byrne and Nicolas Cage. In knowing, we get a Nicolas Cage movie. We get a Nicolas Cage movie. You, you mean it, Jeff? I do. I you wanted really you to be happy, and I put a happy version in there. I couldn't tell you which one it was. The other two were going to absolutely drive you nuts. You were going to be so mad. You did a great job. You sussed out the one you needed, and you got yourself a Nick Cage film. 
You gave me a Nick Cage movie. I'm so I gave happy. You a Nick Cage. I know I'm you're so down. Happy. I know you're. Listen, you've been getting yeah. the shit kicked out of you in the show. <laughs> and I figured, you know what? He needs even if you lose this one. I needed this. I needed. It'll a be a good victory. A loss is a win. I need it. I need it. It's true. We both win in this scenario, and I hope I hope that our our guests see it that way because this is a. I've seen this film, and it is a special, special film. It's the Cabbages Podcast Network. <laughs>